Welcome to Unfuck Your Brain, the only podcast that teaches you how to use psychology, feminism, and coaching to rewire your brain and get what you want in life. And now here's your host, Harvard Law School grad, feminist rock star, and master coach, Kara Lowenthal. Hello, my darlings. I'm calling you guys my darlings. It's a little intimate, but I really feel like today's topic is intimate. I'm going to share about my own story, and I just like to think that we are all getting coffee or a cocktail and dishing. <laughs> so I've been doing this podcast for six months now, and I've learned a lot about so many of you, but you don't know that much about me, most of you. So today I want to share a little bit of my story because I think a lot of you will really identify with my journey and you'll find it helpful to hear about how I used coaching to change my own life. And I also want to tell you about changes that are coming to this podcast and my offerings, and they all start with my own story. So I've been a feminist since I can remember. In fact, I think I like to think that my views have evolved and gotten more complex, but I recently was reading an editorial I wrote in my high school newspaper, and I was pretty much like, oh yeah, I would have written that today. Okay. <laughs> I guess my politics have been pretty similar. I mean, I think they have evolved as I've learned more and particularly, you know, I've learned more about intersectionality and become a more well-rounded feminist, but the seeds were apparently really always there. And I've worked on women's issues in a lot of different ways. Um, in high school, I wrote a lot of feminist editorials. <laughs> I was one of the newspaper editors. In college, I was the coordinator of the Yale Women's Center, and I worked at a domestic violence court during the summer. And then after college, I worked for Planned Parenthood's National Media Office, and I was an emergency room sexual assault crisis advocate. So like we would go to the emergency room when a sexual assault victim came in because the medical staff often actually wasn't that trained, that wasn't that well-trained or up-to-date in protocols for dealing with sexual assault. So then I went to law school, and in law school, I spent my summers interning at reproductive rights organizations, and I got involved with the Harvard Law School chapter of what used to be called Law Students for Reproductive Justice. Actually, at the time, it was Law Students for Choice. Then it became Law Students for Reproductive Justice. Now it's actually called If, When, How. It's the same thing the whole time. It's a national nonprofit organization that helps provide support and resources to law students working on reproductive justice issues. And so I got involved with the um, HLS chapter, and then I got involved with the national board, and then I became the president of the national board. And I also continued working with domestic violence and sexual assault victims. And after law school, I clerked on the United States Court of Appeals for the Fifth Circuit. So I clerked on the Fifth Circuit in New Orleans. And then I was a litigator at the Center for Reproductive Rights. And when I transitioned into academia after a few years, I worked on questions that relate to all these issues, right? Women's equality and liberty rights, including reproductive health care access. So I tell you my resume to say that sort of bottom line, I've always felt like my purpose on this planet was to contribute to women's liberation. And I have basically been a professional feminist for <laughs> like 15 years. And yet... The whole time I was achieving all of those brass rings and talking that feminist talk, I didn't feel like I was really walking my walk. Right? I believed that women should be powerful and ambitious and should run the room if they wanted to, but I got anxious every time I thought about speaking in a case strategy meeting, and I would often preface anything I did say with disclaimers, like, this might be stupid, but, or I haven't thought this all the way through, but... 
Every job I had, I felt like I wasn't cut out for it. And I didn't seem to be alone. You know, I will always remember being at staff meetings at the center in a national leading reproductive rights organization. And my colleagues were brilliant women, lawyers and policy experts and like, you know, really literally international experts in this field. And yet so many of us would preface our comments with disclaimers. I haven't thought this all the way through. Maybe this is a dumb idea. This might be wrong. And not just those of us who are fellows and, you know, maybe <laughs> more predisposed to be wrong, but even senior people. I just remember thinking, like, we are global experts, and yet no one here is comfortable just saying their idea. And that is not at all an aspersion on my colleagues who are brilliant and amazing defenders of human rights, and I respect them so much and, you know, miss the struggle every day in some ways, miss the movement. But it was just striking to me how much gender socialization and what women are taught about sort of doubting themselves and being self-effacing, like how intensely that was playing out, even in an organization which was mostly composed of women, all of whom were incredible badasses and working on women's issues. And yet we were still doing that self-reflexive, you know, kind of undercutting or disclaiming. When I left litigation, I went to academia and I had the same problem. You know, when you are working on an academic article, you are so deep in the material, right? You really know it better than anyone. Whatever your like obscure little topic is, you really know about it. And I just kind of providentially happened to start working on religious accommodation and gender equality issues right at the beginning of the time when they became explosive and in the news everywhere, right around kind of before the Hobby Lobby litigation over contraceptive access. When I started working on those issues, it was like me and a bunch of 70-year-old men professors who had worked on it, you know, 30 years ago, the last time it was really intense and relevant. So I knew a lot. I mean, I was young and starting, but also I was spending a ton of time with these materials. I knew a lot about the area. But every time anyone made any comment on my writing or my ideas, I just assumed they were right and I was wrong. And I'm sure a lot of you can identify with that, right? It can happen. It doesn't have to do with academia. You can be the associate on a case and you've spent all the time and all this energy and time and work on getting familiar with the materials, right? And you understand them. But then a partner makes a comment or says something that might even be factually wrong and you immediately doubt yourself, even though you're the one who's actually read everything. And so I was doing that when I was an academic, right? Like I would spend months, not years, doing research and getting to know cases inside and out and developing these theoretical plat, you know, not platforms, but like frameworks, right? New tests, new standards, new ideas. But the minute that somebody critiqued my work, and especially if it was a man, I would assume that I was wrong and they were right. Even though, as we all know, anytime you tell a lawyer a new idea, the first thing they want to do is tell you what's wrong with it. <laughs> right? I learned that a lot when I was talking to lawyers about my coaching business plans. Like I just had to let them get out all of their negative objections and then they would say something useful afterwards. So even though I knew all that, the minute anyone critiqued my work, I assumed they were right and I was wrong. I used to tell people, well, I'm just not a natural academic. Like I would say that like it was a sentence that made sense, even though what is a natural academic, right? Talk about a discipline that's like esoteric and learned. <laughs> You have to go through so much schooling to become an academic. But I was like marching around announcing to people that I was not a natural academic. 
And, you know, that same disconnect between what I believed, right, that like women are powerful and smart and capable and should feel confident and shouldn't always assume that, you know, men are right or no more than they are. Like I believed all those things, but I didn't feel them. And the same disconnect was present in my personal life. Like I thought it was total bullshit that society put so much pressure on straight women in particular to find a husband and get married, right, for social validation, I thought that was like insane and offensive, but I still found myself obsessing over some guy I'd known for only two weeks that I met on the internet, right? (laughs) As if he was my last chance on earth for love and acceptance. So I was like intellectually aware that the social message was bullshit, but I couldn't help it. I emotionally still felt really hung up on guys who really meant nothing to me and who I wasn't compatible with because there was this chance for either acceptance and validation or rejection. Right? And I had internalized all those social messages we get about women's worth being dependent on male approval and especially on romantic approval. And so I was constantly criticizing myself and you know, thinking about what it was that must be wrong with me because nobody had proposed marriage to me yet. And the same was true, you know, the same disconnect existed when I thought about like my friends. So I would tell friends of all shapes and sizes that they were beautiful and they didn't need to change but I was incredibly critical of my own body and I was constantly trying different diets and exercise regimens to try to change, you know, my natural shape. And I think at some point, like I was part of the generation that transitioned from talking about diets to health, right? Like diets became uncool and now it was all about being healthy. The truth is it's all the same shit in a new package, right? The self-hatred and the self-criticism and the perfectionism was all the same, even though now we were calling it health instead of diet. And I saw that same disconnect finally again in my thoughts and feelings and actions around my social life, like my friends and particularly my family. Right? I wanted to feel like I was an adult and believe I was entitled to decide how to spend my time. Right? I recognize that society teaches women to put other people first and that, you know, it's selfish to prioritize yourself. Like I, I saw those messages and I understood them and I believed them and would tell other people them, <laughs> but I didn't feel them, right? I still felt selfish and guilty if I prioritized my own needs over what someone else wanted or expected of me. And I just believed my own thoughts that I was selfish and lazy and whatever else, or there was something wrong with me, or I wasn't lovable enough if I didn't want to do what other people wanted me to do. So it was really like dis- disorienting, right? Like disjointed, disconnected, all of those words to be living this life where I had all of these beliefs and I knew all these things intellectually. I understood them rationally, but I did not feel them. And telling myself the rational concept really did nothing to change how I actually felt. It wasn't until I started exploring coaching and reading about cognitive psychology and mindfulness and, you know, started a meditation study and self-inquiry that I began to see that there wasn't anything wrong with me, right? The reason that I constantly felt confused by believing one thing rationally and feeling another thing emotionally was because my brain had really been conditioned to operate that way. It didn't work to just tell myself I should feel differently. Like how many of us have tried that, right? oh, I should feel more confident. Like, okay, but you don't. (laughs) Just telling yourself that doesn't help. That's why so much of the advice out there isn't helpful. Like women just need to be more confident. Yeah, okay, like we all would if we knew how, right? But we don't know how. Well, I do know how. That's why I'm a coach. But 
you get what I'm saying, right? When we don't have these tools, we don't know how to get more confident. So telling us we should be more confident is just like one more thing to feel guilty about. So all of that, just telling myself to like snap out of it or that I should feel differently didn't work. And instead, I had to combine the powerful coaching tools that I was learning in my coaching work with my background in feminist theory to really carefully identify the social conditioning and the self-critical thinking that was holding me back and then rewire my brain to overcome them. That was the secret sauce. I tell you people, that was the secret to life. Once I figured out how to do this, I finally felt unstoppable. I got a new job that was literally three times the salary of my old one. (laughs) I stopped dating dudes who were kind of meh about me and found my current partner. I learned how to enjoy my time with my family. You know, I really learned how to like let them have their own desires and beliefs without letting those control my own feelings and actions. I stopped torturing my body with restrictive diets and mean mental commentary. And I learned how to eat and move in a way that felt good. It continues to feel good. So You know, when I say that life is a mental game, is a mental confidence game, I really am living proof. I feel totally at home and sexy and desirable in my body as it is now, even though it's bigger than what, than the size it was when I was spending all my mental energy hating it. It's all about your mental mindset. So this was obviously an incredibly powerful process for me, changing my life in these ways, and it really brought me to coaching. So I got certified as a coach, and when it was time to pick my first practice area, women lawyers were an obvious answer. You know, I was raised by lawyers. (laughs) I was educated as a lawyer. I worked as a lawyer. Lots of my friends were lawyers. You know, and I knew firsthand that being a lawyer created certain ways of thinking that exacerbated all the social conditioning and self-criticism to which I was sort of already susceptible As this podcast and this community has grown, as I've been coaching lawyers, I've also started to get more and more non-lawyers coming to me for coaching. And in fact, for a while, I had a whole second niche, which was coaching women who had a lot of anxiety about dating. And what I found, and, you know, in retrospect, this is sort of duh, like I had the same mental, you know, (laughs) insecurity and anxiety and stress thought patterns in all areas of my life. So this shouldn't have been surprising, but sometimes you got to learn things more than once. So what I found between coaching women lawyers and then coaching women who are dating is that the mental patterns and ways of thinking were really similar, right? My dating clients mostly weren't lawyers, but they had the same catastrophizing, the same self-criticism, the same people-pleasing, the same perfectionism. And then my lawyer clients who were in relationships would also have a lot of the same mental habits of the women who were dating, right? So it was like everybody had basically a lot of the same frameworks and thought patterns and sort of brain system errors (laughs) that were wreaking havoc on their emotional life. So essentially what I came to realize is that what I do is not really 100% unique to lawyers. Like for sure there is lawyer brain and lawyers do have a few mental habits that develop differently from other professions. But so much of what I'm doing is really teaching high-achieving feminist women how to overcome stress, anxiety, and insecurity so that they can get what they want in life, right? Whether that's like a bonus or a new job or a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? Whatever it is you want, it's overcoming your stress and anxiety so that you can feel competent and confident and even excited and powerful and ambitious. 
And I know some of you already know this because you've been sharing the podcast with your non-lawyer friends. And I've been getting coaching inquiries from non-lawyers saying, I listen to your podcast. I'm not a lawyer, but it totally resonates. And do you work with non-lawyers? And when I think back on my own life, learning how to recognize and rewire my lawyer brain was absolutely part of my journey into a sane life. (laughs) That was the first step was just to get sane, not to mention a really exciting, fulfilling life, you know, that I love. But lawyer brain wasn't all there was to it. Like a lot of it was recognizing the ways that my own self-critical thinking was combining with all the gender socialization I had learned to make me constantly feel anxious, insecure, and guilty. And rewiring my brain to undo that socialization was what really took my life to the next level. So where does that insight leave me and where does that leave us? I've been germinating this for a few months now, and I'm so excited to finally truly announce and tell you about what's next. Unfuck your brain, a feminist blueprint to mastering your mind and getting the life you want. This boutique group coaching program is for high-achieving feminist women who don't understand why they can't walk their talk. They have ambition and ideals and goals, but they know their insecurity and anxiety and people-pleasing are holding them back. They want to live a life created with intention that's oriented towards bold and exciting goals. They want to experience love and joy in their romantic relationships, whether that means revitalizing a current relationship that's in a rut or finding a new one. They want to kick ass at their jobs. They want to love and care for their bodies. They want to operate from connection instead of obligation with their friends and families. They want to know they are good enough so they can stop wasting time feeling scared, anxious, or sad. Because you know what, you guys? We all have important things to do in the world, and hating ourselves is just such a waste of time and energy. So whether the goal is to run a 5K or be elected president, (laughs) the method is honestly the same. Unfuck Your Brain teaches you how to overcome social conditioning and your own negative self-talk so that you can dream, create, and achieve the life you want. I'm honestly losing my mind over how much I love this program, (laughs) and it'll be the only way to work with me for at least the next eight months. Now, what that means for you podcast listeners is that starting in late October, this podcast will also transition to become the Unfuck Your Brain podcast. Do not worry. Lawyer ladies and gents, once a lawyer, always a lawyer. This podcast is going to continue to be 100% relevant to what you experience as a lawyer. But it's also going to become so much more than that. It's going to teach you the same great tools you've been learning about how to deal with your job. But it's going to expand them to teach you how to deal with stress, anxiety, and insecurity in the rest of your life too. And more than that, it's going to teach you how to create the life you really want. When I was still doing one-on-one coaching, I would often say that the first round of coaching was to get out of pain. And then the second round of coaching was to get into pleasure, joy, and excitement. The first round took away the suffering, but the second round created the next adventure. And that's true of this podcast too. You know, we spent six months talking about how to reduce our suffering. And now it's time to start talking about how to create some joy. But don't worry, I am a lawyer (laughs) and a New Yorker and a Jew, so we'll still talk about suffering plenty, but we're also going to talk about some other things. So the rebranding won't be complete for a few weeks, and I'll keep you posted on that. We're keeping the same RSS feed, so you don't have to change anything, you don't have to do anything, and I will announce when it's going to happen, but this is just a heads up, 
in the next few weeks, when you go to the podcast, it's going to have a different name and a different cover art. It should still download on your phone just the same. It's just going to look different. In the meantime, if you're interested in hearing more about Unfuck Your Brain, the program, you can hop over to www.thelawyerstresssolution.com forward slash unfuck application to start the application process. So next week, we're going to be talking about why so many of us feel like quote unquote bad feminists and what we can do about it. Stay tuned. If you're loving what you're learning in the podcast, you have got to come check out The Clutch. The Clutch is my feminist coaching community for all things Unfuck Your Brain. It's where you can get individual help applying all these concepts I teach to your own life and learning how to do thought work to blow your own mind. It's where you can learn new coaching tools not shared on the podcast that will change your life even more. It's where you can hang out and connect over all things thought work with other podcast chickens just like you and me. It's my favorite place on earth and it will change everything. I guarantee it. Come join us at www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. Or you can just text your email address to 347-934-8861. If you text your email address to that number, we'll text you right back with a link to check out everything you need to know about the clutch. 347-934-8861. Or again, just go online to www.unfuckyourbrain.com forward slash the clutch. I cannot wait to see you there.